not have a copy of God's Word and you would like one, go ahead and raise your hand. Um, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. What we are seeing today is um, what uh, Thomas, Thomas Watson, he's been long gone, uh, uh, he's been with our, our father for a while, but he calls it the, the prayer of prayers. What he said is, is if, if uh, Solomon's songs, the Song of Solomon is known as the Song of Songs, then the Lord's Prayer is known as the, the prayer of prayers. I love that. What we are, what we are seeing today is, is three things. We're seeing how, how Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And we're seeing how we're to approach God with our prayers. And then what we're seeing is what to expect from our Father. And it's, it's kind of incredible, actually, what we, we see going on here. is because Jesus is, is giving His disciples, Jesus, the Son of God, is giving His disciples a method and means to communicate to their Father. It's It's incredible. You see, one of the main points that Luke hits on in his gospel, or one of the things that he's constantly showing, is the emphasis of prayer life in Jesus' life. That's one of the, the common themes that he's constantly pointing out, whether it's that Jesus went away to pray for the 12 disciples, or Jesus just gets away by himself to pray. There is one thing that Luke emphasizes throughout his gospel, and that is the prayer life of Jesus' ministry. And so if there's anything in our ministries and lives that we must take serious, it is prayer. And what is incredible about this is Jesus himself teaches us how to pray. So what I would like to do for us this morning is read the passage. I'd like to then pray for us. And then what we're going to do is unpack this passage. So starting in verse 1 of chapter 11. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet, because of his imprudence or um, persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, 
who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Heavenly Father, please allow us to understand this passage better. Your, your son, Jesus, he, he says this for a reason. He says this because we are to, to communicate to you. We are to talk to you. We are to make our requests known. And so please allow us this morning to come away with a better understanding of how we can approach you in prayer. Pray this in your name. Amen. If I tend to get kind of uh, excited this morning or, or start to kind of like get more energetic than normal, it's because of this. This, this passage was deeply uh, convicting for me, yet deeply also encouraging. Um, I don't know what it is, but as I was reading this over and over and over again, I could not help but just rejoice that we have been shown a way to pray to our Heavenly Father. Like this is absolutely incredible. And so um, I, I may get a, a little more energetic than normal or maybe start talking faster than I normally do. And if I do, just say like, hey, slow down, uh, Max. You're making no sense. You're just jibber-jabbering. Uh, uh, yeah, see, there it is right there, jibber-jabbering. Who says jibber-jabbering? Um, but see, this is the thing about prayer. Prayer is one of those spiritual disciplines that I don't know one person who is satisfied with their prayer life. And in fact, let's, let's do this. If, if you are satisfied in your prayer life, go ahead and, and raise your hand. Ah, see, all of you are smart. You're like, oh, I'm not going to let the pastor catch me. I want you to look around, though. Nobody has their hands raised. Nobody does. But there's a problem. Because if we aren't satisfied with our prayer life, well, this is, this, is, this is the good news. If we're not satisfied with our prayer life, Jesus teaches us how to pray properly. But, but far too often, one of the things that happens is, is some of us don't even pray. We don't even see the, the necessity to pray. And so um, what, what tends to happen in our prayer life is, is either this. We're, we're never satisfied and we're constantly pursuing perfection. Or we, we just don't even see the, the need to, to prayer, to, to pray. You see, on, on the one side, if, if you don't see the necessity to pray, then, then I would just like to plead with you right off the bat if, that, if Jesus is telling us or, or telling his disciples and you claim to be his disciple to pray, then there's no if, ands, or buts. If you should pray, you should pray. But far too often for those who, who feel like, like they, they need to be perfect in, in their prayers, what tends to happen is, is we want to pray our own way. We want to have an autonomy of just saying what, what I want to say. Which kind of then goes a little bit against of what Jesus is saying here. He's giving us this perfect model. Um, and, and so what we tend to then do is say, I, I know how to pray better than Jesus. 
And then when our prayers aren't answered or it doesn't seem like our prayers are answered, what tends to happen is then we just give up. We stop praying. Oh, how many times have you given up on a prayer not knowing that maybe God was waiting for that next one to answer it? We give up way too quick, which then leads us to think and, and leads us to not expect that God, our Father, has good gifts for His children. You see, the purpose of this passage, the reason why Jesus is explaining this to His disciples is that um, He is teaching His disciples how to pray to the Father. He's teaching them that they can boldly approach their father and he is teaching them that they can expect good gifts from their father. And so we come to verses 1 through 4. Jesus is off praying in a place and his disciples had seen him pray multiple times, maybe thousands of times and the disciples then ask, teach us to pray just as John prays. You know, this is, this, is, um, this is just really interesting that out of everything the disciples could have asked Jesus to do, teach us how to heal people, teach us how to, how to split a, um, a happy meal and feed thousands of people. And yet the thing that they are asking Jesus is to teach us how to pray. And so we come... Jesus says this, when you pray, there it is, when you pray, he's expecting that they're going to pray, say this. Now, I want to stop right there really quick. Jesus isn't saying you must say this as if we just repeat this as it's some type of ritual. He's using this as a model. So when you pray, say this, Father, Hallowed be your name. I wonder if you start your prayers like this. In our day and age, it's so easy to gloss over this first point. Father. Father. Do you know how extreme this was for Jesus to say this in this time? This is one of the things that the Pharisees absolutely hated Jesus about is that Jesus was going around saying, I am the Father's son and, and the Father, I'm the Father's child and, and He is my, my Father. And so what Jesus is doing right here is, is telling the disciples, you can have this intimate relationship with the Father. And so when you come to God, pray, Father, do you know, Christian, that you have an intimate relationship with the Father? That you can come before Him and say, Abba, Father, making your requests known to Him? See, but it's not enough just to say, Father, we are to come before Him and say, Father, hallowed be Your name. Now, what does hallowed mean? It means holy or to revere His name. When I was in college, I, I used to get lunch with, with a guy um, that I, I really respected. I, I still respect him. I, I love him as a, as a brother. 
But looking back, some of the the prayers that he would pray were just absolutely ridiculous and didn't revere God at all as he would be praying, saying, dude and bro and man. That is not a prayer that reveres our Father. We are to come before our Father and start our prayers as Jesus is telling his disciples, saying, Father, hallowed be your name. Do you start your prayers with humbling yourself before God, saying, God, you are the one who is all-powerful. You are the one who has hung every star in the sky. You are the one who knows all things. When we pray, we are to start with, Father, hallowed be your name. Jesus is telling his disciples that they are to humble themselves in front of their Father. And then next, they are to come to him and say, Your kingdom come. This was the, the, the ministry of Jesus, was it not? Jesus came preaching, Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Everything that Jesus is doing is showing how the kingdom is at hand, that the kingdom is present. And, and what Jesus is saying right here is, is, is not necessarily to pray that, that the kingdom, the, the second coming would come, but that, that the advancement of the present kingdom would come, that those who, who have been healed would go out and proclaim this message of hope and good news. I have a question for you. How often in your prayers are you praying for the salvation of your lost family members? Or friends or co-workers? How often are you praying in your prayers that God's kingdom would, be, would, would come? As I was reading in, in one, of, one of my books for this, the, the author went on to sharply say this, and I couldn't help but just cringe. A church that stops praying that God's kingdom would come is a church that does not love God. Church, are we a church that prays that the kingdom would come? Or have we ceased to love God? Because this is the mission of Jesus and those who are in love with Jesus wouldn't neglect praying that his kingdom would advance. Are we too quick to be praying for America's kingdom to come? It's not a bad thing to pray for our government and our officials and for America. But sometimes I hear far too often people praying for our government and less about the kingdom of God that would come. This present kingdom will fade, but God's kingdom is eternal. And so moving on, then Jesus tells them, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And so now Jesus is telling them, okay, pray that your daily needs would be met. 
Solomon in Proverbs, as in, in one of the, the Proverbs, he, I, don't, I don't remember the, 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 the verse fully, but essentially what he says is this. This is Solomon, the, the richest man that has ever lived, as he's praying to God, says, God, do not make me so poor that what I have to do is then steal and sin against you, but please do not make me so rich that I forget about you. What Solomon is doing is he's praying that his daily needs would be met. That each day God would give him exactly what he has, what he has a need for. And so what Jesus is saying now, after you've prayed that the Father's name would be holy, that you've prayed that the Father's kingdom would advance, now pray for your daily needs. How much more does the Father love you? than birds of the air and flowers of the field. How much up to this point has your Father given you your daily bread, never allowing you to lack in one thing? And Jesus goes on, forgive us of our sins. This may seem like a strange one. Do I have to continue to repent of my sins? Well, well, yes, but the difference is, is that when you've entered this relationship uh, uh, with, with your Father, it's not that you're, you're repenting for forgiveness and, and, and righteousness. You're, you're repenting for forgiveness because you've disobeyed what your Father's asked you to do. Just as a, a son or daughter goes up to their parents and asks for forgiveness or a friend goes up to a friend and asks for forgiveness for wronging them, we are now called into this relationship to ask for forgiveness where we have disobeyed our Father. And so we ask for forgiveness. And then Jesus goes on just to, to quickly say, just as we forgive those who have indebted us because of those who have been transformed by the gospel, those who, who know who their father is will not withhold forgiveness from others who have wronged them because God has forgiven them of the greatest of transgressions. And simply this last one, do not lead us into temptation, just means that, that the Father would protect us from the evil one because he is prowling around like a roaring lion ready to seek whomever to devour. I mentioned him earlier, Thomas Watson in his book on the Lord's Prayer calls this, he, he says that this should be the rule and model of all of our prayers John Calvin says that um, our, our prayer should be examined by this model. It's not that we continue to just recite everything here, but we use this as our outline. So what does that look like for us then? Here, I, I just three simple things that this could help us, um, help remind us of, of how to pray in this way is that, is that when we come to prayer, we first need to go up. We need to go up praying, Father, hallowed be your name. Father, you are holy. There is none like you, O God. Praying, basically bragging about our Father and who he is. So we first go up and then we go out. Father, your kingdom come. 
Continue to advance your kingdom here in our hearts at Community Church. Take that and advance your kingdom in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our our state, across the world. Your kingdom come. Not our kingdom, but yours come. So we go up, we go out, and then we go in. Father, these are my daily needs. Continue to provide for me. Please forgive me where I have disobeyed you. And protect me from the evil one. And so we go up, we go out, and we go in. But Jesus doesn't stop right here. What he does is he then goes on to to illustrate some some pretty incredible things. In in verses 5 through 10, Jesus then gives us this parable of, of, a, of a friend who comes in the middle of a night to another friend's house. And custom was is, is that when friends would, would come, there would usually be bread or, or things for them to eat because the journey was normally long. People normally during this time would travel at night because it was a little bit cooler out, which means they would get in late. And so upon this friend's arrival, uh, one friend goes then to another friend who's next door and starts knocking on their door. Asking, friend, I need three loaves of bread. A friend of mine has just journeyed to my house and I need to feed them. And this one friend says to the other, I can't do that. My, My kids are laid down. And if I unlock the door, it'll wake them up. It could seem like this one friend who went and knocked on the door had no regard, right? Every, most people here, if you don't know, you don't wake up, baby. And this friend goes knocking on his friend's door who, who has children, and, and he's, he's knocking and he's knocking. And, and what Jesus says, that this friend won't give him bread, but because of his, his persistence... The friend then says, okay, I, I, I give up. I will, I will give you this bread. So we're seeing two things within this parable. One is that Jesus is, is showing that, that this, this friend approached his other friend. He had confidence in his, his friend. He knew that he could go to his friend's house and knock on the door. He wasn't afraid to approach his friend's house to ask for bread. But then what we also see is then the persistence of this friend as he continues to knock on the door. It's like that one friend who calls you in the middle of the night and you just let the phone ring and ring and then right after that they call again and you say to yourself, okay, I guess I'll check to see who it is and then they call again and and you're like, okay, I'm not going to answer. And then the fourth time they call again and you say, okay, I guess I better see what's going on. This is what's happening here is, is this, this friend is persistently coming to their friend asking for bread. Jesus is making this point that we are to boldly approach our father And be persistent with our prayers. How often do we give up in our prayers? How quick are we to pray for one thing and then just say the next day, Ah, you know what? God didn't answer it, so it must have not have been His will. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is telling His disciples, Persist in your prayers. 
Do not give up so easily. It's not as if we're, we're twisting the arm of God. But it's that we're showing our faithfulness through our persistence. It's showing that we are dependent upon our Father. And faithful dependence through persistence in our prayers glorifies God. And so Jesus is telling his disciples, persist in your prayers. Don't give up so quickly. Continue to pray. Continue to come forward and knock. Continue pounding at the door. Continue seeking and asking. And what does Jesus say to those who continue to persist in their prayers? He says this. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Far too often, we give up in our prayers. We live in a very microwavable society meaning this that you can go on your phone and click on something and then the next day it be at your doorstep which means that then if I I pray for something to God and it's not answered within the next hour or the next day then I might as well just give up but yet Jesus is telling us to persist And so we must continue to persist in our prayers. Continue to persist praying for your family member. Continue to persist for your neighbors. Continue to persist in seeking and asking that your heart would be stirred more and more. Continue to to persist for our church here. Continue to persist for our city Continue to persist. God honors those who persist in their prayers. And so then we come to the end of our our passage here. Verses 11 through 13. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead Of a fish, give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus, right here, is giving the the, the premise of everything that's going on. He's He's giving this illustration of, of what, what, father, what, what father would give his son a snake if he asks for a fish. One of the most wicked fathers ever, if that's the case. The snakes are the grossest creatures alive. <laughs> and, and if Haddon ever asks me for a snake and that's supposed to be the good gift to him, then I'm just going to give him the fish because that's the better gift for him. <laughs>
What father, if his son or daughter asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? What Jesus is saying here is, is, is if you then who are evil, he's saying if, if you who, who are sinful, you who are bad fathers, and look, there is no perfect father here on earth. You will never find a perfect father or a good father here on earth. All fathers mess up. But if those fathers who are bad, if, if us as fathers who are bad know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give you a good gift? I mean, that's incredible. Do you know that your father is incapable of giving you a bad gift? He will never in your lifetime give you a bad gift. He can't. Because if he were to give you a bad gift, then he wouldn't be good. And so some of you may be, may be thinking right now or, or wrestling with this idea and, and just thinking, well, I've been praying for this thing over and over and over again. It seems like God has given me quite a few bad gifts in my lifetime, Max. I just want to uh, challenge you. So I'm just going to warn you right now, this, this may sound like bad news, but it'll I'll wrap it back around into good news. One, it may seem like a bad gift because as James says, you do not have because you do not ask. Maybe you're not even praying. Maybe it seems like the hand that you've been dealt in this lifetime has been bad or, or whatever's going on in your life has been bad. And you're saying, well, God dealt me this bad hand. Well, maybe you should pray about it. You do not have because you do not ask. But then on the flip side, as James continues to say, you ask and you do not receive because it's out of selfish motives. Uh, let me just say this. Maybe you have been praying for that thing. But maybe it's out of selfish motives. Maybe that thing you've been praying for is actually a bad gift. And so let me ask this question to you. If that thing that, could, that you've been praying for over and over again could possibly be a bad gift, and what I mean by this is that it could be detrimental to your soul. It could destruct your soul. It could compromise your relationship with your Heavenly Father. If that's the, the selfish gift that you've been praying for and it's actually a bad gift, do you think your Heavenly Father who only gives you good gifts will give you that bad gift? No. Because your heavenly father is only capable of giving you good gifts. Because he's a good heavenly father. I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with this name, George Mueller. George Mueller is known uh, for two things. He's he is known for, he's, he's been dead for a while. You might be thinking by the people that I quote up here, like, man, does he have any real living friends? Um, uh, 
but, but George Mueller is known for two things. One of the things he's known for is, is um, orphanages. In his lifetime, I think it was about like, he took in about 10,000 orphans throughout his lifetime. But George Mueller, for the second thing he's also known for is, is that he was not just a, a prayer warrior, but he was a prayer champion. Um, and and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. In, in George Mueller's lifetime, he um, would write down all of his prayer requests. It's said that all of the prayer requests that he's written down, there were about uh, 55,000 prayer requests that were answered. About 10,000 of those prayer requests were answered on the same day. One of the stories goes like this. When, early on when his orphanage had about 300 kids, he, he, they didn't have food for them. They, didn't, they had no food, no breakfast for them at all. And so um, in, early in the morning, George Mueller gets up and, and he, he prays. And one of the things that he prays is, his father, we do not have any food here, but I thank you for the food that you will provide for us. And I kid you not, I mean, well, I mean, he could be kidding us. I don't think he is because a lot of people have confirmed this story. But what happens is he gets done praying. Uh, the kids are all sitting at the table waiting for their breakfast. They have no breakfast. Somebody comes knocking on the door and says, we've got some bread. We have too much bread. The bakery made way too much bread. And we have some bread and we wanted to give it to you. Next, about 30 minutes later, the milkman is is uh, passing their front door and one of his tires falls off, right? I mean, of, of course, a, a tire would fall off right in front of George Mueller's orphanage. And he comes up to George Mueller and, and he knocks on the door and then he says, um, hey, I've got all of this milk for, I've got all of this milk. I don't want to run back because I'm afraid people will steal it, but this milk will go bad if it doesn't go somewhere, so would you like it? George Mueller knew that his father would provide for him. Okay, maybe you're thinking, well, Max, that's, that's one of those extreme cases where it was one of those 10,000 out of 55,000 prayers that, that were answered. In, in, in uh, his, his prayer notebook, he had a guy's name down for 36 years that he had been, been praying for consistently, asking that God would save him. For 36 years, he prayed for this man to come to know the Lord, believing and expecting that that could be the prayer that his father answered. Do you expect that your father gives you good gifts? Do you expect that your father could provide good gifts for you? He is. Sometimes it's hard to see because sometimes we have an idea of what the good gift is supposed to be. And that good gift could be actually a terrible gift. And that terrible gift could destroy our souls. And our Father is not in the business of giving terrible gifts, but good gifts. You know what's really interesting about this passage is the way that Luke ends it. This actually hung me up for quite a while. Why would Luke end this passage like this? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
Now, in the account of, of Matthew, when Matthew is writing this down, Matthew just says, um, how, how much more will the Heavenly Father give you a good gift? See, but Luke wants to be intentional here. And so what I'd like to do is just conclude like this. How does this passage point us to the gospel? This passage points us to the gospel like this. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Have you ever asked for the Holy Spirit? Those of you who even may believe already, who are already a child of God. Have you ever asked for an abundance of the Holy Spirit? See, why is it important that we ask for the Holy Spirit? Why is, is Luke not saying good gift, but Holy Spirit? Is it because, because then we have the Holy Spirit, we can approach God and make our requests known and then get those good provisions? Well, if that's the case, if that's why we've we've come and asked for the Holy Spirit, then we're treating God no less than a genie or Santa Claus. Because all we really want is just something out of Him. We don't want Him. You see, the reason why Luke is finishing by saying the Holy Spirit is because he's actually pointing us to Jesus. See, the greatest gift that we could ever ask for or ever receive is the Father's love. Because really what is happening here is, is Jesus is showing his disciples how much their father loves them. Because only a good, gracious, kind father who loves you would give you good gifts. Like this. Like the Holy Spirit. But what does it mean when you receive this gift of the father's love? It means you're receiving how he's loved you. How is it that he's loved us? He's loved us by sending his only son. His only son. His only son with whom he is well pleased with. He sends his, his son for us. Those who, who are evil. Those who are stained with sin. To die for us. To, to take our sin from us, to be unjustly accused, to die on the cross for us, and to rise again three days later, who is now seated at his Father's right hand, so that those who ask for the Holy Spirit can be illuminated to this great gift. Have you asked for the Holy Spirit to indwell in you? Have you asked for the Holy Spirit to reveal the Father's love to you? Today is a great day to do that. Ask for the Holy Spirit. For those of you who are Christians, ask for an abundance of the Holy Spirit so that well, you could love your Father even more and know how much He has loved you. Ask, seek, and knock.
Our prayers are to go up, out, and in. Persistently approaching our good Father who has good gifts for us. Let's pray. Father, we praise your name because you are worthy to be praised. You are un, you have all things under control. And it is by your good will that all things happen. And so we ask, I ask this morning that you would allow us to leave here with revived hearts. That we would leave here with revived hearts wanting to love you more, knowing how much you have loved us, seeing the cost that your son Jesus went through. And that you would, this day, just like the day before, give us everything we could possibly need. And that you would forgive us, even from this time when this sermon started 40 minutes ago to right now, you would forgive us of, of any thoughts, any anger, any rebellion that's in our hearts. And that we would leave forgiving those who have wronged us. And that you would protect us from the evil one. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.